You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right, I'm going to mess with y'all today, okay? Let's get ready. Um, all right, so go ahead and open up your Bible to Ephesians 1. We're going to probably, this will be it for this series that we're in. Give us eyes to see. And this all comes from a phrase that Paul prays for the church. The Holy Spirit prays for the church. And it just goes like this. Open up our eyes. Open the eyes of our understanding that we might see. That we might see. Um, and so we've been talking through this and, and, and some of what this means. And, and three parts, really. And I want to read this. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. It says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart, and this is, this is your spirit, right? And also your soul. Okay, this is important to understand. Um, I don't want to go down a, a bunny trail, but we, m- some of us have heard this before. Maybe some of us haven't. You're, you're three parts, okay? There's three of you. Some are like, yeah. I know, I talked to all of them. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You're three parts. You are a spirit. You have a soul, right? Your, your mind, your will, your emotions. Um, and then you have your physical body, your flesh, okay? And so often the Bible will address these three things, okay? And it's important for us to understand that if we don't receive uh, from the Holy Spirit, if we don't walk by the Spirit, what Romans 8 tells us, and allow the God, allow the Holy Spirit to communicate to our spirit, then oftentimes what will happen is that we'll be led out of our soul, out of our emotions. Now, let me just explain this just a step further, because it's your spirit that hears God's voice. It's your spirit that resonates with the Word of God and worship and prayer, these things that we do, right, that we should be doing. But often, we, how do we know that we're being led by our soul? It's because our life feels like this. Everybody see this? Yay, it's good. Oh, no, it's not good. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the dog peed on the floor. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Oh, but, you know, I got a raise. Yay, but, oh, no, I just wrecked my car. You know, whatever it is. And we go up and down like this. And that's because our soul is affected by the experiences and, and, and the emotions that fill those experiences in our life. So how do we get out of this cycle, right? Because no, we don't want to live like that. Because what happens when we live according to our soulish thinking is that we're always trying to stay up on a high. Do you know why people drink? It's because they're trying to escape the low points that their soul is leading them through. Do you know why people spend, overspend? Because they're trying to feel that and trying to escalate something up, their emotions up to a higher place. Do you know why sometimes people fill their lives with relationships that aren't healthy? It's because they're trying to fill a void to stay up because when they're down, they feel too low. But thanks be to God. And this is what Paul prays here in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. Hey, you need to wake up to this truth. This is why Jesus died and rose again and why he's seated and what his authority does for us. That you could be led by the Spirit. And when we are led by the Spirit, it's not that our soul goes away. You still have emotions. You still have uh, experiences. You still have a mind. And you make decisions. But those things are under the control of the Holy Spirit. See, what you have to understand about the threefold man is this, is that there is a batting order. Any Astros fans here? Who leads off for the Astros right now? Springer does. Oh, that's right. Because he hits dingers. Springer dinger. All right, all right, that's all right, I'm, I'm done. Right? What, what, see, you put your guy up who's going to get on 
base. He hits, he gets on base. And so, and then you get you get your, your order straight. And I think it's Altuve, right? Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, who's who's hitting third, right? Why? Because Altuve can can get on base and then you know third, fourth is who? I probably messed that up. But here's the point is that there is a lineup to how you respond in your threefold nature. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, you need to be led first by the Spirit. And here's what will happen is if you allow the Spirit to control the soul, guess what? Your flesh will follow. You will do what is acceptable and pleasing in your reasonable act of worship to the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's very important. So, as it pertains to Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, there's three things that we see that Paul said the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in. The first is this. To know the hope to which he has called you. Every person here has been called with a calling, a hope, something special that marked them when Jesus redeemed you. You're special. You are important to the body. You are important to the world. It is not an accident that you've been here. No matter how devastating or awful you think that your life has been up until this point. When we come into Jesus, you are a new creation. The second thing that we see is this, the glorious inheritance of his holy people, the importance of having community and the things that Jesus provided in his body, that is the church. That's what we learn from the book of Ephesians, is that the church, what we see this, what I want you to imagine is that we're living in the body of Jesus. We are in him. Why? Because we're growing in him. We are a living organism. We've been called to his purpose but there are things and ways that we grow that, that we can only grow within the context of fellowship and community. You cannot grow alone. You can't grow alone. You can't lone ranger it. And can I say something else just very gently and, and lovingly? You can supplement church, but you can't replace it. You can't podcast yourself out of a service, and you can't, you can't television yourself out of a service. You can't. And that's not a statement because you guys are all here, so way to go. And that's not a statement to get people in church because, listen, it, you just need to be in, everybody needs, if you're a believer, you just need to be in church somewhere. You need to be enjoying the importance of the glorious inheritance that God has given in his people in the church. You need to take part of that community, that fellowship. James tells us this, and it's a very important aspect of how we keep our soul healthy. It's soul detox, if you would. It says, Confess your sins one to another that you might be made whole. And that directly relates to your soul. Why? Because there, and this is what we, we say at our men's small group on, on Wednesday nights. Guys, what's going on? Let's just talk about something that God did victoriously in your life. Let's talk about something that really stunk, like you, you struggled with. Why? Because you need to unburden your soul. And the church is the only place that is safe enough where you're going to look at people who said, yeah, I've been there too, because... Because we all have the same journey, and our journey is this. It is by grace that we have been saved, not in ourselves, that any man should boast. Not one of us said, yeah, you know, I got here because I was special. No, it's an impossibility. So it should be the safest place. It should be the place where love and truth are spoken and where healing comes. And there are things that we need to unburden ourselves with so that we can grow into the fullness our calling, the hope of our calling. Now, the final thing that Paul says is this. 
is his incomparably great power for us who believe. And last week I talked about this. And Ephesians does something, and, and, and I know it was a little bit teachy, but it's important for us to understand. We need to know these things. We need to know them and know them. We need to know them and know them. And Paul outlines the doctrine of the authority of Jesus Christ in the book of Ephesians. And it goes like this. The first thing that we see that Paul's very clear about that gives just a very, very just simple and clear understanding is that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Paul says this in Ephesians, that he who descended also ascended. He has been placed at the right hand of the Father. It goes on in other parts of uh, Ephesians and says that God has placed all things under his feet. What does that say? That at the resurrection, there was one thing that was perfectly clear, is that Jesus is greater. He is greater than your sin. He is greater than the enemy. He is greater than the adversary. He is greater than death. Right? Come on. He is greater than disease. He is greater than your yesterday. He is greater. And this is so important to understand because if we profess to know Jesus, but yet we believe there is something greater than Jesus at work inside of us, something that is lurking around, and some of us hold on to that where we feel like the shoe, other shoe is going to drop somewhere and you get nervous and fill with anxiety, then you haven't fully come into the doctrine of the authority of Jesus that Ephesians teaches us. You need to rest in the truth that Jesus is greater. Maybe it doesn't change your immediate right away, but it will change your life. And it will establish peace. It also says this, that Jesus is creator and king. This is very important. And again, we have a luxury. And I'm going to just lay some road down. So just everybody wake up and pay attention. In love. Smile at me, all right? We have a luxury. And the luxury is this. We don't fight with this truth that Jesus is fully God. But can I tell you something? The early church did. That there were councils and, and, and things that happened in the early church where the church was at a crossroads that basically said this, that Jesus was subordinate to God. That he was below God. Now I want to tell you something. Ephesians tells us this, and it's so important for us to understand, that Jesus is creator and he is king. He is creator and he is king. Why? Because he is God. Now here's why that's important to you. Because God did not send down a fraction of himself To die for your sins. He did not send down an incomplete person in Jesus Christ. He did not send down a weaker version of himself in Jesus. He sent down himself. And that's significant for this. It's significant because it tells you about the love the Father has for you. He is willing to die in himself for you. But it also speaks to the completeness of the sacrifice. He who has no beginning and no end sacrificed himself outside of time so that any sin that was ever committed or ever will be committed came under the authority of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ, Son of God, God equal, 
covered that sin. All right. Come on. All right. So let's keep going. It's exciting. All right. So Jesus was placed in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. That's his rightful spot. And he's, he secured this authority for us. Now, spiritual warfare is real. This is something else that Ephesians teaches us. That we live in this realm, this earth realm, where there is still dominion given to the enemy. You go, well, pastor, you just told me how awesome Jesus is. Now you're telling me that there's something going on down here. Yeah, but you're not in it if you're in Jesus Christ. You're not in it. And I want you to think about all the times in the Bible and the New Testament where you read about even the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus taught the disciples to pray, and he said, pray this way. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because Jesus was attaching us into our proper citizenship. And part of that citizenship lets us understand this. That we understand we have an authority. We have an authority. I went to Cozumel recently. And uh, for my son's, my son graduated. We took him on a little trip. Something we talked about a long time ago. We did it. And it was great. It was great. But I want to tell you something. I loved coming back into the country. Oh, man. I, like, hugged, you know, like the, the guy who checked my passport. I'm like, hey, man, I missed you. I mean, how's the family doing? You know, it's been a while. I'm going to catch one of the kids' soccer games soon, you know. I'm just like buddy-buddy with them. Why? Because I'm an American citizen. And when I walked into America, I was like, yes, I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. But when I went through the Cozumel Airport, I was like, they pulled my son out of line as we're leaving, getting on the plane. And they did a drug search on him. And my son's just smirking, going, huh, And I looked at him. I said, boy, you better, you better, don't you, don't you blink. Don't you blink, boy. They will keep you here. Like, don't you blink. <laughs> He's like, yes, sir. Searched his hat, pulled his brim down. You know what I'm saying? All this. I said, boy. And, I, and I, I just kept walking backwards, letting people go around me. They're like, no, no, he'll meet you out on the tarmac. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. That's my son. That's my son. That's my, I, can't, I can't go. I can't go. I can't go. Right? Because he belongs. He belongs in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so this is what Jesus did, is that he placed us in him. And he said, uh-uh, uh-uh. See, you don't understand. You don't understand. The harassment of the world, uh-uh, they don't, uh-uh, doesn't work because he belongs, she belongs to me. And because they belong to me, even though they live on this earth, they're a citizen of heaven. They're a citizen of heaven. See, this world should feel a little foreign to you. It should. You should actually be a little uncomfortable here, and there should be an aching in your heart for things to come. There should. Scripture talks about that. And so part of the conflict that we feel, that spiritual warfare we feel, yes, is it real? Absolutely. The enemy has authority on the earth today, but it is not greater, go back to point one, than Jesus Christ. It is not greater than Jesus. And if you're in Jesus, then who you are in this world is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. All right. All right. That was a long introduction. Let's cruise through. Let's keep going. We'll we'll just get as far as we can. So today I want to do something to finish this up and talk about the power of praise. This is something that the Lord just put on my heart. 
for us to begin to embrace in a new way, in a fresh way, in an exciting way. Because what praise does is it brings out this truth of the incomparably great power of God in our lives. There's nothing else that orchestrates the the authority and the power of God, the doctrine of the authority of Jesus Christ in our life, like when we invite praise in our life, when we have a culture and we cultivate praise in our life. And this is important because of this. And this is what you need to understand. I'm going to rattle off some scripture really quick, so please take some notes, okay? 1 Peter 2.5, 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Corinthians 6.9. Praise is important it's because, it's because it's, what, it's who we are and what we've called to, been called to be, okay? We've been called to worship. We have been called to worship. We were created to worship. 1 Peter 2.5 says this, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is a picture of the temple. I, I could go in and I could teach on the temple and the significance of what Peter is saying here. But he's saying this, that you are now where the Holy Spirit dwells. And because of that, and one of the primary acts of the temple was this, was the continuous of God's presence where offerings and sacrifice and incense and worship was constantly being lifted up. So you have actually been created to be a worshiper, to be a praiser. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It is who you are. 1 Corinthians 6.19, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God, you are not your own, right? So this is what this scripture tells us is so significant, is that there will be a conflict. Like Josh talked about this morning, which was so timely. He didn't know what I was talking about before he asked me to, if, if he could say this. But there will be at times a conflict within our understanding, our desire for us to praise. But we have to understand we have been created to do it. And it's actually the thing that will bring us the most fulfillment. I know that might sound a little foreign to some people, but trust me, if you get into a discipline of praise, if you get into a discipline of having a culture of praise in your life, then you will find the joy of knowing that this is what you've been created to be. Praise is participation. Why is praise important? Praise is participation, sorry, in the truth of who God is. This is very important. See, part of praise is this, and this is something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really stretch and challenge and put um, an encouragement on us to begin to embrace, is, this, is that praise invokes movement. It invokes the clapping of hands, the raising of hands. Sometimes the, the, the Holy Ghost jig, you know, well, you know I'm saying, however you want to do it, you know what I'm saying? Just don't do anything weird, you know, but it involves movement. It involves movement. Why? Why? Oh, man, look, oh. Okay, so because the, the, the fullness of God moves every part of our being, okay? And this is, this is really significant. Because if, and, and I don't want to hyper-spiritualize this point, but what I want to tell you is this, is a lot of times our posture and our position reflects our, the inward working of God in our life, okay? So a lot of times if we feel like we're... Uh, you know, just kind of somber or still, or we just don't, we don't move. 
sometimes, sometimes, and I want to be very clear that I say sometimes, in the place of praise where God is asking us to move, sometimes it can be because we're not giving God permission. And there is absolutely an aspect of praise that must move every part of our being. And of course, this makes us uncomfortable. It made David's wives uncomfortable. When the ark was brought back into Jerusalem and David danced before the Lord, almost naked, he got rebuked by his wife. But David's response was a clarion call for us to understand the importance of the presence of God and how praise brings in the presence of God. And he said, look, if you think I was undignified, I will become even more undignified before my Lord. Because David understood something, that praise has to move us. Now, I'm not saying this because I understand when I say statements like this, that I'm not driving us into emotion. And I'm not telling you if you're a quiet person that you got to get up and dance. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to be responsive in the fibers of our, of our movement unto the Lord. Okay? Praise is how we access God. Psalm 100, 1 through 5, it says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. He, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is how, if the picture of the temple in the Old Testament, that you would have to understand between the layers, the outer court and the inner court, is this is what the scripture is saying, and the Levites would go and they would be continually offering up worship as they came in and out of the gates of the outer court into the inner court. And this is what the scripture says, enter his, his courts with praise. Why? Because this is how we access God. There's a very important truth that we need to get a hold of, which is this. This truth is this, is that God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our praise. And part of the idea of reverencing a holy God is this, is that we acknowledge him in the worth of our praise, that he inhabits the seat and he sits in the seat of our praise. And so we have to come in because this is how we meet with God. It's a little bit of a, of a shift in our thinking because sometimes we've grown, and please hear me, is that I don't want this to be heavy. I don't want this to come across as a rebuke because this is not who Freedom Christian Fellowship is, nor is it who you are. But I want to address something on a larger scale really quick. Is sometimes that we have grown just too comfortable with the presence of God. That we just kind of walk in and we are laissez-faire about it, like we're just doing something and and, and we're going to wait to get heated up the right song and the right movement, the right time. And we honestly forget that we're coming in to worship a holy God. And because he is holy, no matter if there's a band or seats or the right, you know, and of course, it's not just about here. It's about any place that we are in our homes, in our cars, that we just simply go to God and, and just vent Yes, there is an aspect of our life where we need to vent and we need to just say, God, I want to unburden my heart. But this 
There's also the truth about the holy God that says, listen, I want to be established. I want to sit in the seat of your praise and your worship. And if we want to see the presence of God in a greater way, then we have to change our understanding of the importance of praise and say, God, if you inhabit our praise, then begin to fill up our hearts with the understanding of who you are, that we might come in with the attitude to lift your name up. So as we do, you establish yourself in our praise. Okay. Let's talk about the benefits really quick of the power of praise. Praise sets the atmosphere for the miraculous. We see this so clear with the story of Paul and Silas in Acts 16, 25 through 26. I'm not going to read it. They're in prison. They make an executive decision. This really stinks. We don't really want to be here. We don't deserve to be here. So we're not going to complain. Nobody knows. You know what I'm saying? Like They're not, they're not just doing that, right? So they begin to worship the Lord. They begin to praise the Lord. And the scripture tells us in verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake. All right. I wish I had more time. This is fun for me. I lived in L.A., and I saw earthquakes. And sometimes the earth moves, and it, like, moves. Sometimes it sways, and it just makes you feel real dizzy. And everything just kind of shifts. And he's doing this. But sometimes it goes, boom, 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 boom. And you go, oh, my goodness. And what happens in those things, those jolts, is that drawers come out of dressers, and pictures come off of walls, and TVs fall down, and doors get unhinged, all that crazy stuff. And so God said this, listen, for Paul and Silas, they, they decided to worship. And what it did is it set up the, the platform for the miraculous. And this is what I love about this story, this narrative. It said this, at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Not just Paul and Silas. See, because they understood something, that as they chose to pray and as they chose to, to worship and praise, they, 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 I don't think they expected for God to do what he did. I don't know if they did or not. But God honored it. He sat in the middle of it. And when the, the God of freedom shows up, he didn't just set Paul and Silas free. He set everybody free. That's kind of neat, huh? All right. So praise sets the atmosphere for the miraculous. Praise causes the enemy to flee. Second Chronicles 20, 22, 21 and 22. It says this. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord, to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. And they went out ahead of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. And they began to sing and praise. And the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Here we see a king over the southern split kingdom of Israel, Judah, and he's saying this, that he comes and he, he, he hears the Lord and the Lord tells him to, to set praise before the armies. And what God does is just simply miraculous, is that he ambushes the enemy for him. So what God is saying is this, is that praise scatters the enemy. Praise ambushes the enemy. If you want to defeat the plans of the enemy, in your life, if you feel like you are being ambushed, though you're not defeated, begin to set a culture of praise in your life. 
Set some time aside in praise. Set some time aside and worship the Lord. Set some time aside and exalt his name. Why? Because God will go before you. He will ambush the enemy. He will cause the enemy to flee. Amen? This is how we fight our battles. <laughs> this is how we fight our battles. Oh, I wish I could sing. I can't. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. <laughs> Praise invites his presence in. I mentioned this already. Psalm 22, 3. And the King James Version says this. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest and ist the praises of Israel. And this is what takes place when we invite his presence in is that it begins to put our focus on the right things. This is important, the importance of having his presence in our lives and having the, the, the understanding and feeling him near us is because he begins to set our perspective right. Psalm 103, 1 through 5, 1 and, 3, 1 and 2, I'm sorry, says this. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all of my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Listen to what the psalmist is saying here as he praises the Lord, is that his focus and his perspective is getting renewed. His focus and his perspective is getting renewed. He's saying, God, I'm not going to lose sight of your benefits. Yes, there may be other things that are coming around me that I feel harassing me, that I feel like are trying to overtake me, but I'm going to lock into who you are and what you said and your promises for me. Praise removes us. It gets rid of wrong thinking. As we read further on in Psalm 103, verses 3 through 5, it says this. When we talk about the benefits of the Lord, it says, Who forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. When we begin to praise, there's not room for us to think about the wrong things in our life, to think about the things that maybe tripped us up, to think about our past, to think about the snares, to think about sometimes the, the pits that we feel like we're in. Instead, it focuses us in the place of wrong thinking. It removes us and puts us into the presence of God. And anytime you are encountered with the presence of God, you will decrease and God will increase. And that is a good thing. That is a good thing. Finally, praise renews us. Praise renews, renews us. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. When we get into the place of the presence of God through praise, our, jo our joy becomes complete. Justin, come on up, man. You bring the team up. I want to just wrap this up, and then in a second we're going to sing two songs to close. And I want to encourage you with some of this. I don't want to, I don't want to put any kind of, it's, it's a double-edged sword, if you would, because I don't want to put any wrong expectations on us, but I do feel like the Lord is calling us as a church to step out in a greater way in the area of our praise. And for some of you this morning, it may mean, you, you've, you know what, you, there could have even been something that has happened in your life where you're like, God, I, I just want to exalt you. 
Because I've seen your deliverance. I've seen your faithfulness. And some of you might be on the other side of the coin and say, God, I, I don't see your deliverance, but yet I want to I praise you. And maybe that deserves a clap, or maybe that deserves you lifting your hands or kneeling before the Lord or coming up to the front or, or making a movement or getting into the aisle and whatever. Maybe, maybe you need to dance before the Lord, and that's okay. And I want us to begin to stretch that expectation to say, God, I want to begin to move in the fullness of my being. I want to begin to express you in the, in the, in the way that I desire to see you move and also in the way that you have moved. God, you've been faithful to me. And so I will exalt you and I will praise you to that degree. So how do we begin to praise God? We have to create a language of praise. The language of praise, it's funny, as I was talking to some people this week, and I grew up in a church where I was fortunate enough to have this. We did, we did some weird things in this church, but they were not weird, actually, but they might be, is that we would have a time in our, in our worship service where we sang a new song to the Lord. And that wasn't people praying in the Spirit. That was people praying and just saying, great are you, Lord. There wasn't words on the screen, but just people just out of the overflow of their heart, just spontaneously. And the Psalms actually tell us this. They they exhort us to sing a new song to the Lord. But to create a culture of worship in our life, we need to have a language. And the best language that we find in Scripture comes in the Psalms. And so if you're saying, God, I want you to begin to stretch me so that I come in with expectation and, and, and just renew this idea of praise in my life, then I want to encourage you to begin to digest the book of Psalms, begin to read one a day or two a day, and just get that into your spirit and listen to the words. And it doesn't just come from David. Some of it Moses wrote. Other, other people wrote the Psalms also. But they're all a reflection of worship. And their reflections and highs and lows, they're battling sometimes the condition of the writer's soul. And they're saying, God, even though I feel overwhelmed, yet will I praise you. Yet will I worship you. Even though my enemies gather all around me, I will not fear because you are great. And it's basically a book of a new song unto the Lord. But you need to get that into your thinking because it gives you a platform It begins to create a culture and a language of praise in your life. The second thing we need to do is think about our history with God. What has he done for you? What have we seen him do in us? Write these things down. Meditate on these things. If you look at me and you say, honestly, pastor, I don't know what God did for me except for saving me. Then go to the scripture and look at the things that God did. All throughout the Old Testament, you see time and time again, when God did something miraculous like part a sea or a river or defeat an enemy, he commanded the people of Israel to set stones up. Often they were one for every tribe of Israel. And he said, go back to this place as a memorial. And the scripture will say oftentimes that this stands till this day. How can that be possible? You could go to that place and those stones wouldn't be there. But that's not what the scripture is saying. They're saying the testimony of God's faithfulness stands to this day. See, there's a history with God. 
And you've got to meditate on your history with God and say, God, you're faithful. Why? Because, because there will come a day where you face a giant. What did David say to Saul? Nobody would go down from the army of Israel to face Goliath. But David walked up and said, who is this, this fool mocking God, our God? They said, be quiet, David, be quiet, David. And finally, David got in the presence of the king, King Saul, and he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to fight. I'm going to take care of Goliath for you. He said, oh, how can you do this? He said, listen, I'm not concerned because my God who protected me as I tended the sheep of my father from the bear and the lion. When I grabbed the, the lion up by his mane, I struck him down and the bear I defeated. That same God is with me and this giant will be no different. See, that's how you know confidence. That wasn't machismo. That wasn't manliness that David was walking in. That wasn't false identity. That wasn't the soul that David was moving in. David didn't just get done watching MMA and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust a move on this fool. He wasn't doing that. He walked in the confidence of the Lord because he had a history with God. And he said, wait a minute. I know what God did for me. This guy's no different. He ain't a lion. He's just a big, ugly dude. I want to talk just a simple practicality really quick on how we begin to praise God. Praise is directed to Him. Praise is about Him. And praise is toward Him. So this is what I want to encourage you to do. If you're not, if you're not familiar with this idea of free flow worship and singing a new song to the Lord, Start with short sentences with strong adjectives. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are faithful. You are true. It's easy. You don't have to lie. The scripture says every one of these things are true about God. But if you can pinpoint a specific adjective that you've seen God do, you are faithful. You are healer. <laughs> you are restorer. Mm. you are my salvation. And then you can move into a place where you have short sentences with strong verbs. I adore you. I praise your name. I live for you. You are worthy of praise. I exalt you. And then begin to sing a new song to the Lord. Speak freely from your spirit in your natural language. Again, this isn't an expression of a gift in tongues. This is not what it is. This is your natural language, an expression of your love and adoration to the Father. And just begin to let this out. And say, God, I exalt you. I worship you. I praise you. You are good. You are faithful. Thank you. And as you do that, what you'll find is that it's going to come free. There's going to be a river that will flow within you of worship. Why? Because you're encountering the presence of God. And as you sit in the presence of God, have you ever wondered in the book of Revelations where it says the elders are gathered around the throne and the angels gather around the throne and they just look up and they say, holy, and they fall back down. They look up again, holy, they fall back down for eternity. Does anybody just go, oh, that just doesn't sound fun? Yeah, in our natural thinking, that's awful. That feels like a burpee session, like, you know, <laughs> some of you got it, some of you didn't. But here's what the scripture is telling us, and it's so, so beautiful. 
is that those gathered around the throne are never getting tired of the holiness of God because it is continually amazing them for all of eternity. And as you begin to lift up a new song to the Lord, and as you begin to worship and praise God in the fullness of your being, you're encountering the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy, but there is a glimpse of who He is, and you will never get tired of worshiping Him. There's not enough words that have ever been created that could ever fill the heavens, that could ever fully declare the majesty and the beauty of Him. Oh, man. And so when we encounter that, man, it just begins to just flow freely out of us. And when we decide to create a daily habit of this, God begins to move. See, it's one thing for God to inhabit this place. But where we really begin to see revival is when God inhabits the place where you live. And when he inhabits the place where you live, watch out. Because then he can inhabit the neighborhood that you live in. And if he can inhabit the neighborhood that you live in, man, he can inhabit a school. Mm. Oh, you know what else he could do? You know, because I've seen it. Is he can inhabit a stadium. <laughs> he can inhabit a stadium. He could fill PMG Stadium up with his presence. Let's stand to our feet. All right, let's just, these last two songs. As the Spirit leads, you just begin to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, you are worthy. Oh, you are worthy. You are worthy. Let's just finish this up and just. In our, in our own way, you, can, you don't have to sing it, you can say it. Just tell Jesus how much you love him. Oh, we love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You are so good. You are so good. You're my redeemer and my savior. Oh, there were times in my life that I felt all alone, but you came and you brought me peace. There were times that I couldn't see hope in front of me, but you came and you were my healing. Thank you, Jesus. You are exalted, Father. You are worthy. You are the highest name. There is not a name higher than the Lord our God. Thank you, God, that you are seated above all things. Thank you, God, that you hold all things in your hand. Thank you, God, that you laugh, Lord, at the plans of the kings of this earth. Thank you, Lord, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus. You are highly exalted. You are the sweetest name. There is not a sweeter name that our lips can utter than the name of Jesus. You are worthy of all the praise. You are worthy of all the adoration. You are worthy of all the glory. Let everything that comes out of me, that comes out of us, God, give you glory. We exalt you. We love you. Amen. Amen.